Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. And today on the podcast, we have a topic that's probably commonly listed as people's number one concern going into retirement. And that's Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? Meaning, am I going to have enough income to last me for the rest of my life? If I'm going to retire and potentially have a two to three decade long retirement, I know I need my assets and my income to last for potentially a very long time. And as we look at this, you're going to have different things in retirement. You're going to have some things like Social Security or a pension. Where they come in one month, you spend it, and you have the same exact paycheck the next. So it doesn't necessarily have to be managed, or even rental income, or other income sources like that. Where you receive income, you spend it, and you can count on there being a check the next month. Your portfolio is a different story. You can take a number from your portfolio, or you can take an amount from your portfolio, but you need to be careful with how much you take, especially in those first few years of retirement, because if you take too much up front that portfolio may not have enough longevity in it to sustain you all the way throughout retirement. So the question is, and what we're going to be exploring today is what is that sustainable spending amount? How much can you safely take from your portfolio to both meet living expenses today, but also be mindful of living expenses in the future, living expenses will actually be higher as inflation continues to go up. So historically, most people probably know the rule of thumb is about a 4% withdrawal rate. This was made popular from a study done by a guy named William Bangan, who's an MIT graduate and he's a former financial advisor before retiring. And what his study found was that if you have a 30-year retirement and you want to be reasonably assured that your assets are going to last that long, he saw that you could take out 4% of your portfolio that first year of retirement and then increase it by inflation each year. And what that did is it created that rule where if I take out 4% of my portfolio starting in retirement, I have that safe withdrawal rate knowing that I can keep up with inflation And I know that my money is going to last for 30 years based upon the time period that he looked at and based upon certain assumptions. Now, there's a couple of challenges with this. This is a great starting point, but when this research was done, it assumed that in order for a portfolio to last for 30 years using that 4% withdrawal rate, it was based upon a portfolio being split 60% in the S&P 500, so invested in big blue chip U.S. stocks, and 40% in U.S. Treasury bonds, so bonds backed by the U.S. government. You can still do that very same thing today, but at the time when this research was conducted and during the time period that was looked at, well, at the time, treasury bonds were yielding around 5% per year. Today, as I record this, treasury bonds, the current 10-year treasury yield is a little bit less than 0.70%, meaning treasury bonds were yielding significantly different amounts when time at the time that this research was conducted versus what they're doing today. That's one challenge. Another challenge is that this approach, the taking 4% of your portfolio, it didn't really pay any regard to what happens in the stock market. All it did was it looked at last year's withdrawal rate, and then it increased it by inflation. So for example, let's assume that you go into retirement and you have a million dollars in your portfolio, and you want to know that your portfolio can last for 30 years. Great. Well, what you do is you take 4% of a million dollars, which is $40,000, and I'm going to round that to about $3,300 per month. So you can take out $3,300 per month, And you can be reasonably assured based upon the study that your money is going to last for 30 years. Now, if the stock market keeps going up, your portfolio keeps going up, there's no problem. You're taking your money, your portfolio is growing, and you're taking a small portion of that growth to fund your lifestyle. There's no issue in that case. 
But what happens when your portfolio value doesn't go up in value? Let, let, let's assume that your portfolio drops by 25% because you just went through a, a rough market. Maybe you're like 2008 or another time period like that. Here's what happens with that. In the second year of this analysis, now you're actually taking 3% more from your portfolio. So you started at 40,000 per year, 3,300 per month, and you're increasing that by 3% because we're gonna assume that inflation went up by that amount. So you're taking more from your portfolio, but your portfolio is worth 25% less because it just dropped in value. So now you're not taking it from a million dollar starting base, you're taking it from a starting base that's much lower. That base is actually down to 750,000 because of the market dropped. And on top of that, you took $40,000 out of that portfolio on top of it being down the year before. So now you're taking out an amount based upon a portfolio value of $710,000. And what happens is now your withdrawal rate jumps from 4% that first year up to 5.8% the next year. This is just an example. Obviously, this, this could go in a many different directions. But what you see is the, the impact of a down market means that your withdrawal rate jumps significantly. Now, that's part of the reason this study started with a withdrawal rate of 4%. If it started with a withdrawal rate much higher, then as you continue to build in inflation adjustments to that over time, accounting for different ups and downs in the market, you have to start with a withdrawal rate of 4%. Because what if you have another bad year after that, and then a bad year after that? A few bad years in a row with a traditional withdrawal rate to 4% and rising, that could spell disaster for your financial plan or for your ability to be okay throughout retirement. If you take this study and increase that 4% withdrawal rate, that starting rate from 4% to numbers that are higher, the starting withdrawal rate of 45 or 5% even, all of a sudden you run into a case where there isn't that same certainty or that same comfort level of saying, yes, your portfolio will be able to last 30 years or so because of the impact of a down market. So this is one of the challenges with that initial research. Great research. It set the standard. It kind of became what we know of as, as portfolio withdrawal research and, and what a lot of things are based off of. But new research done in the mid-2000s, done by a guy named John Guyton, he came up with something called Guyton's guardrails. And the premise of the research is this, is it's not just how do we take a withdrawal rate of X percent, so in this case, 4%, and then let it ride from there, increasing with inflation each year. But how do we also account for things like good years in the stock market, bad years in the stock market, inflation, how your current withdrawals relate to your initial withdrawals? And he, he created a much more dynamic approach to this. So what he saw in doing this research and a lot of the, the withdrawals that I'll help clients with is based upon this, is that your initial withdrawal rate could actually be higher than that 4%, but more continuous monitoring is required. There's a lot of things tested in this research that was done, but just to simplify it a little bit, there's things tested like how much stock do you have in your portfolio? How much do you increase or decrease your withdrawal rates based upon things happening in the stock market? What are the triggers that we need to have in place to do so? But in general, the main findings were in the study. And this actually looked at a 40-year time horizon, a 40-year retirement, just because life expectancies are increasing. But the findings were that a diversified portfolio, so a well-diversified portfolio with 65% in stocks, can generate an initial withdrawal rate of 52 to 5.6%, and it could do so with 95% confidence or more. Meaning if you run a simulation of a thousand different market events, some good, some bad, everywhere in between, 95% or more of those cases your money outlived you. And in 5% of those cases, you outlived your money. So 95% confidence is a good place to be. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a 5% chance of failure. It means there is a chance of failure, but that's something that you need to be on top of throughout your retirement and cut spending or make adjustments as needed to ensure that your confidence range stays where it needs to be. 
So the benefit of this, this is obviously great news for retirees of in the previous research, the 4% withdrawal rate, you're probably going to be fine if you want to take 4% from your portfolio. But in retirement planning, there's this there's this balance between how do I ensure that I have enough money to last for the rest of my life with what's the most I absolutely could spend while I'm living and while I'm retired? How do I make sure that I can take advantage of the saving and the investing that I've done? So there's the balance between, yes, I want to spend and have fun and do great things with my money, but I also need that money to last for 20, 30 plus years potentially into retirement. So this research and the findings of this research was really great news for retirees. It's saying for if you have a million dollars in your portfolio under the traditional method, you could take out 4%. So that's 40,000 per year. And of course, that's pre-tax. So if there's an IRA that you're taking money out of, that's $40,000 before taxes. It's going to be less after you pay taxes. Well, this new research showed that instead of just taking 4% per year or 40,000 from a million dollar portfolio, you could take somewhere between 5.2 to 5.6% from that portfolio. So 52 to $56,000 per year in this case. So that's a lot of extra spending money that you have in retirement while still being assured that your money is going to last to the end of your life for at least for 30 to 40 years. Now, there are four rules to this approach. As I mentioned, the general rule of thumb of 4%, pretty straightforward, not a ton of monitoring that has to be done. You just take 4% per year from your portfolio and then adjust it up from there. Well, as we're finding here, you can take more, but it requires more monitoring and it requires some adjustments based upon what happens in the stock market and based upon what happens to different things. So there's four rules to this approach. Number one is the portfolio management rule. And that rule just determines where's cash taken from each year. So if you're going to take 5%, 5.5% from your portfolio, where does it come from? Does it come from stocks? Does it come from bonds? Does it come from cash? How do you account for that? Well, this rule kind of determines the where does that money come from? It comes from excess stock, and then it comes from excess bond returns, and then it comes from cash. So it has an order of operations that needs to be followed as you go through that. The second rule is called the withdrawal rule. So if there are losses in your portfolio, so if you have a million dollar portfolio starting retirement and it drops to say 900,000 after that first year, then you need to make sure there's no inflation adjustment that is made to your spending. So if you take out, call it five and a half percent that first year, so 55,000 on a million dollar portfolio, if your portfolio is down, then you need to make sure that your 55,000 stays where it does and it does not increase with inflation. Whereas with the 4% rule, like we talked about to start with, that you would have taken 40,000 per year that first year. And even though it was down the next year, you would have still bumped that up by inflation. So 40,000 would have increased the next year. But under these new guidelines, or the, the, the guide and guardrails guidelines, if there's losses in the portfolio, then no inflation adjustment is made to your spending. That's rule number two. Now, these next two are probably the most important part of it. Third is what's called the capital preservation rule. And what that says is that you need to cut your spending by 10% if the withdrawal amount, so the withdrawal rate, rises to 20% more than its initial level. For example, let's assume that you started by taking a 5% withdrawal from your portfolio each year. Year one of retirement, you took 5%. Well, if your withdrawal rate ever exceeds, hits or exceeds 6% of the remaining assets, that's going to trigger the capital preservation rule. Now, your withdrawal rate can rise either because your spending rose, but in this case, it's typically because the portfolio balance decreased. So again, if you're looking at the withdrawal rate, there's two components to that. If you remember math class, you have something called a numerator and you have something called a denominator. The numerator is the number on top. So how much are you taking out of your portfolio? The denominator is the number you're dividing it by. How much is left in your portfolio? So the numerator, the amount that you take out, the fixed dollar amount, it could remain the same and your portfolio withdrawal rate could increase. 
It does that if the denominator or the, the portfolio balance, the number you're dividing it by, decreases because the market goes down. So the capital preservation rule, what it's saying is it's taking a look at what was your initial withdrawal rate and then continually monitoring that throughout retirement. And if that withdrawal rate ever increases by 20% more than the initial level, it triggers the capital preservation rule. And the capital preservation rule says spending is then cut by 10% in order to ensure that your portfolio still has sustainability and can last through the end of your life. Now, there are caveats to this. You may be saying, James, well, that doesn't make sense. What if I'm 95 years old and all of a sudden my withdrawal rate does exceed 20% more than the additional withdrawal rate? So I was 5% my first year of retirement. Let's call it age 65. I'm now 95 and I'm withdrawing 6% of my portfolio. That seems to be okay. I probably don't have many years left. That's true. And so this rule only applies if your planning age is still more than 15 years away. And the planning age is just a nice way of saying, when do you expect to pass? Now, we never know when we're going to pass, but based upon life expectancies, based upon how long your financial plan is lasting for, a planning age of 100 means that you project that you might pass at 100, or at least at a minimum, you want your assets to last until 100. So if your planning age is 100 and you're 85 or older, you can disregard the capital preservation rule in that instance. You can spend more because you're getting closer to the planning age, which means you can start to take more out of your portfolio. So that's the capital preservation rule. And the capital preservation rule is what allows you to initially take more out of your portfolio than the traditional 4% rule of thumb allowed for. That's why you can start in the 5 to 5.5% range. It's because you need to monitor this and just make adjustments as needed if, this, if the stock market or if your portfolio goes down. So you look at that and say, okay, that makes sense, but that's kind of a bummer. I don't want to have to reduce my living expenses in retirement just because the portfolio went down. I, I want to understand how can I maximize my spending or how can I be assured that I'm going to be able to spend regardless of what's going on. So that's where the, second, the fourth rule comes in. And the fourth rule is called the prosperity rule. And it's kind of the opposite of the capital preservation. So we don't want to cut spending just for the sake of cutting spending and then leaving it low. We want to cut spending if there's a need to do so, because if we don't, our portfolio might not last as long as we need it to. So the capital preservation rule protects that, but the prosperity rule, so which is the fourth rule of this, it's the opposite. And it says that spending is actually increased by 10% in any year that the current withdrawal rate falls to 20% below its initial level. So just the opposite of the capital preservation rule. So for example, if your initial withdrawal rate again was 5%, a spending increase would happen if your current withdrawal rate fell to below 4% of your remaining asset. Here's an example of how that could happen. Let's again use the same example. If you retire, you have a million dollar portfolio, you take out 5% that first year, which is 50,000. So you're taking out 50,000. Let's assume that you do that for a couple few years and you retired and the market did really well. Your portfolio did really well. And all of a sudden your portfolio isn't worth a million dollars. It's now worth $1,250,000. Well, if we assume that you didn't take any inflation adjustments, which just to be just to simplify this, we're going to do, if you hadn't made or hadn't taken any inflation adjustments, you're still taking $50,000 per year out of your portfolio. But now, even though you're taking the same exact amount out, the withdrawal rate has changed. When you divide $50,000 by $1,250,000, that's a withdrawal rate of 4%, not 5%. So under the prosperity rule, because your portfolio did well, and because your withdrawal percentage or your withdrawal rate is now a much lower portion of your total portfolio, that triggers a 10% increase in spending. Now, the nice thing about this is you're not required to take this increase in spending. You know, if, if, if you want to let that money stay in there and compound or stay in there to be available in years that you need it, that's totally an option. 
It's just saying that under this rule, under the guardrail approach of making sure that you are spending as much as you possibly can be, but also not spending too much, the prosperity rule would kick in and say your spending could increase by 10%. So that 50,000 per year could increase to 55,000 per year and then have future income adjustments or future inflation adjustments, I should say, from there on forward. So I know that's a few different rules to take into account, but I really like this approach. And I like it because it's not just a simple set it and forget it. Let's take a lesser amount from our portfolio and just deal with the fact that maybe we're not spending as much as we could, but just take that 4% out. That's a great starting point. But again, the Guyton approach, John Guyton's guardrails approach, it allows you to spend more, it allows you to maximize what you're able to do in retirement while also still staying on top of this to ensure that you're not going to outlive your money. So the main benefit of this approach and what I really like about it is it changes the question. So the key question for most people going into retirement is what's the chance that I run out of money? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to run out of money? That's the key question to start with. Well, with this approach, that's no longer the main question. The main question is what's going to happen to my purchasing power? You know you're not going to run out of money because you're tweaking and constantly changing your withdrawal rates as needed based upon different market conditions. So the main question is more of what is the most that I can spend? What is that maximum purchasing power? Which is a much better question than am I going to run out of money? If we can take the am I going to run out of money question off the table and replace it with what's the most I can possibly spend, that's a great place to be in retirement. So that's why I really like the Guyton approach. It doesn't assume the same withdrawals regardless of market movements or what's going on and allows for more initial spending while also still protecting your future. Now, I like to take it one step further with clients and taking a step further because retirement costs aren't always static. So both of these approaches, whether it's the 4% rule or whether it's this Guyton guardrails approach, they're both just looking at your portfolio and looking at how much could you possibly spend. But retirement expenses aren't static. You may have fewer expenses up front and more expenses in the future. You may have more expenses in the first few years of retirement and fewer in the future. You may have part-time income work or part-time income the first few years of retirement and none of that in future years. So I like to take a more dynamic approach to it where we actually look at what other income sources will you have in retirement, whether it's social security or pension or part-time income or a rental property or inheritance or whatever it might be and see what are those income sources and then how do we apply the framework and the philosophy of the Guyton approach, but do so in a way that lines up withdrawals with needs. And the needs are essentially the difference between how much income you already have coming in with what you want your expenses to be. An example of this and why that matters is this. Let's, let's assume that you retire at 65, but you're still doing something for work because you enjoy doing it. But you have part-time income and maybe it's $20,000, $30,000 or so. Well, you might do that and you might look at this Guyton guardrails approach and say, okay, well, I can spend five and a half percent of my million dollar portfolio. So I have 55,000 from there, plus I have the $30,000 from part-time work, plus I have social security, whatever that is. And you find that between those three sources, you, you have just enough to do the things that you want to do in retirement. Well, that works really, really well for as long as you're still working part-time. But what happens when you stop working part-time? Well, social security is still going to be there. Your portfolio can still generate that 5.5% depending on what's happened in the stock market, but all of a sudden $30,000 is removed from your income sources, and that's a lot of money to make up. So with that in mind, how do you create a more dynamic approach where we look at that and say, okay, do we spend fewer or do we spend less in the first few years of retirement while you are working part-time to give your portfolio more time to compound and build while you're still taking maybe some withdrawals from it? But then that allows you to spend more on the back end once you are no longer working part-time. Once, you, once your portfolio is going to be responsible for generating more of your income because you no longer have part-time income work coming in. 
So those are the types of questions that you also want to be asking, not just how much can my portfolio generate an income, but what income needs do I have? And that's going to be based upon what other income sources do you have and what are your expenses going to be throughout retirement and how will those change over time? And the final note on this is what are the challenges? You know, what could go wrong? Research is great, whether it's the 4% rule or whether it's guidance guardrails. As we look at this, this is all really good and it's a great starting point, but a lot of this is based upon historical data and what's actually happened. And that's a really, really great place to start. But just because something has happened in the past does not necessarily mean that it happens or will happen in the future. Or just because something didn't happen in the past doesn't mean that it won't happen in the future. So what are the challenges to these approaches? Well, the most obvious is investment returns. Both of these approaches are based upon historical returns of different types of investments. So how big companies performed, how small stocks performed, how international stocks performed, how bonds returned. That's a great, great place to start. But again, just because that happened in the past does not mean that will definitely happen into the future. That's a reason we need to be continually monitoring this and stay on top of it low interest rates. So we're in a period right now where interest rates are at historic lows. So how does that impact this? Well, it could impact it in a big, big way. As I already mentioned, the 4% withdrawal rule, that was based on a portfolio that had 40% of its balance invested into treasury bonds. At the time, treasury bonds were yielding 5%. Today, they're yielding less than one. So that will certainly play a role in how this, how your personalized withdrawal rate needs to be customized to account for that. And then just Life. Life is a challenge of this. Certain expenses increase faster than inflation. So are those medical expenses, long-term care insurance, premiums, other things like that that could go up faster than the rate of inflation? Meaning that this, this approach could work perfectly. If you could take out a sustainable withdrawal rate, increase it with inflation over time. But if you have expenses that are increasing faster than inflation, that could present a problem. Not so much with the withdrawal rate, but just how the withdrawal rate plays into the bigger picture plan of how you're going to meet all of your needs throughout retirement. And then, of course, the need for significant distributions. So I already mentioned this before, but there's there's not just this one smooth, exact rate of withdrawal that you need to take from your portfolio each year. It changes, and it could change in a significant way. If there's an emergency, if there's family support, if you need to take a significant chunk out of your portfolio, well, all of a sudden, these this analysis stays the same in terms of talking about what percentage you can take out of your portfolio. But if your portfolio drops from a million to... 700,000. I know I'm using a dramatic example here because you need to take a big chunk out for some emergency. Well, that's going to definitely impact your spending. So the challenges are certainly things like investment returns, interest rates, things happening in the stock market, but also just real life in certain expenses happening and going up, increasing faster than you think they might, or just significant distributions needing to happen as part of life. So that being said, we can never rely fully upon this as if because something happened in the past, it will happen in the future. But this provides a really, really great starting point of understanding how much can you safely pull out from your investment portfolio so that you might get a better picture of what your retirement could look like. That's all I've got for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a question, if there's anything you want to make sure I'm covering on a future episode, you can do that by going to the Ready for Retirement website. And on that website, there's going to be a place where you can submit your question. There's a tab called Submit Your Question. I would love to get that feedback so I can answer something that would be important to you in a future episode. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to episode number 27 of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And for a list of the notes and resources mentioned in today's episode, You can find those at the Ready for Retirement website at readyforretirement.co. 
you have a question that you'd like for me to answer on a future episode, then head over to the Ready for Retirement website. Again, that's readyforretirement.co. There's a page there called Submit Your Question, where you can submit your question that I'll answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.